and welcome to the November episode of Jazz Talk Seattle. My name is Josh. And my name is Max. And today we have as our guest the venerable Frank Fatolo. Welcome, Frank. What's up, Frank? What's up, guys? Good to hear from you. Thanks for being here. Frank is a saxophonist and composer, educator, arranger, and he is the band leader of a band called Bad News Botanists, who was nominated for an Earshot Golden Ear Alternative Jazz Group of the Year. And their last album uh, was nominated for Album of the Year. And Frank himself was also nominated Emerging Artist of the Year. So, so many awards, Frank. But no, 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 no. Nominations. And actually, Max was sitting next to me at that award ceremony, if I remember correctly, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. You were nominated uh, in the 200 trio. And I think we both walked away from that ceremony <laughs> without any blacks. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, fuck. Or can I swear in this? <laughs> I think you're okay. Yeah, do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Uh, shit. I was like, fuck, man, three nominations and I don't walk away with one. That kind of hurt. But uh, you know what? There's always another year. Man, nominations are accolades in themselves. That's, yeah, it's that's nice an award. To be nominated, in you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, um, I don't think I've ever actually won anything. That's amazing. I find that hard to believe. You are a staple in the scene, my friend. I mean, there are a lot of people who are staples in the scene who've never won your shot awards or whatever. They've been nominated, though, you know, but yeah, I don't know. That's a whole different category of whole nother subject. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Back to the topic at hand, mm. Bad News Botanist. How did this band start playing together, Frank? Oh, it's it's always, it goes back to the jam scenes in Seattle that is so vibrant um, and uh, such a wonderful place to meet musicians. As Max started the, the jam session in Wedgwood. Uh, the, Greenwood. The, Oh, it's in Greenwood. <laughs> nah, those are basically the yeah, same. close enough. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so I met um, everybody pretty much through those jam, sh- jam sessions. Um, Mojam Mondays, Marmalade at the High Dive. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see what else. Um, and um, oh, the Pioneer Square Alan Thistle jam session, the notorious mm-hmm. Alan Thistle. Um, so I met everybody through the jam session and. You know, I, I put my name like, hey, you know, you guys want to play sometime? Here's my number. And um, one thing led to the next. I started just writing music and then I started giving people more calls. I'm like, hey, can you rehearse here? We got a, a gig at the Blue Moon at this time. It doesn't pay anything, but, you know, it's like a free rehearsal with beer. And then um, I managed to scrape enough money to put together a record um uh, our first record and yeah that's how things kind of started and and the rest is where we are today that's making that's me cool. miss live music i know yeah right? that makes me miss live music too. <sighs> good points good points man so where did the name bad news modernist come from though <laughs> uh man everybody asks this and i don't have a good story besides I was drunk at a party. Somebody said it and I stuck with it. <laughs> and, and you know, it's like I look back and I'm like, that was kind of silly. But at the same time, it, it captures my youth, I guess, in a bit. Now that I'm a little bit older, I'm like, you know, um, 
I always I always liked having a, a silly band name, something that was unorthodox or, you know, unheard of. So the only problem is I say it and people go, what? <laughs> you know, I wish I picked something a little easier to pronounce, but people are like, bad what? Oddness? <laughs> so the bad is botness. Cool. That's funny. Yeah. Thank you, Max. I appreciate well, that. That I actually think that's a really fun story uh, behind a band name. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. So your first record that you you alluded to already, Venomous Nightshade, that's that was a, what, 2018 release? Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Recording in 2017, okay. released, I think, in 2018, somewhere around there. Gotcha. Okay. So this is your second record with this band. Um, how was making this record different from making the first one? Is there anything that you, that you learned from the, the first time around that, that uh, made you approach this differently? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Everything is so different. Um, I learned a lot from that record and, and I'm really glad that, you know, when you learn, you learn the hard way, it, it just sticks with you. That's how I kind of felt about my first record. Um, Sure. The first one was almost entirely live. There was, there were definitely punches, wow. but there wasn't much editing, and there wasn't, um, there wasn't much as producing uh, before the, you know, before okay. the process before the mixing and, and mastering. Um, where this mm-hmm. one, I stepped in and I said, you know what? I love being in the studio so much. I want to do this in like thirty days. I want to be as meticulous as I want. <laughs> wow. Um, and then. I was like, wait a minute, that's like $30,000. I can't afford that. You know, maybe not that much, but um, I started to realize how expensive it was. So I didn't actually do that with this record, but I did spend close to like 14 to 20 days um, in the studio. Um, Dang. Yeah. Over, you know, that's open, a lot of time. over the course of six months, something like that. So. Um, wild that was definitely one big change i wanted to make between the two records um but Mm -hmm. the the uh, other flip side is i wanted to keep the live aspect so we recorded at ruby room do you guys know ruby room up on 99 i don't i don't it was it was like a hole in the wall hip-hop studio and of all like all great hip-hop studios are nothing but like basements with a couple of mics. And it, that's what the place was. And that's where Macklemore recorded Heist mm. and uh, his other album. And they have just a huge list of bigger others that went through there. So I recorded drums in there because I wanted the hip hop sounding drums. And the, the producers mm. there knew how to do that. And um, nice. so we recorded a quartet in that place because that's all we could fit. And... And we basically just kept everything. We kept all, only the drums and the bass and then scratched the rest. And the rest we were just going to redo on top of it. So we still got that live huh. factor. And, you know, we were still kind of breathing together in this second record. But now we got even like the best takes possible out of each person because we just got a layer on top of it, essentially. Cool. So who else, uh, who all was in the quartet in this studio? Uh, it was, it was interchanging between Rob and Andy on guitar, keyboard, and it was always Marina and Chris on drums and bass, and then myself on saxophone. So depending on 
who was important comping wise, we would change out the guitar. So if it was funky, if it was one of our funk songs that we had Andy, and if it was more of like our modern Robert Glasper kind of Kamasi Washington sound, it was Rob. Gotcha. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. That so you had makes a, a lot of a, sense. You had a so, different drummer on the first record. Oh, go right? for it, Max. Oh yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. Heather Thomas was on the first record. Um, and she started to embark on a travel, uh, a journey across the country in her, um, in her van. And that was something that she's been saying that she wanted to do for years. And I'm so glad that she finally did it, but she had to leave our band and we had Chris Patan step in and take the reins. They both sound great. They do both sound incredible. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Very cool. So one of the things you mentioned that caught my ear uh, about tracking a studio in a very live situation, all breathing the same air, mm-hmm. where in 2020, <laughs> COVID, <laughs> breathing the same air is a potentially dangerous situation these days. How did that work out for you all? Oh, my gosh. It was in, it was in December. And actually, I have, a, I have another story to add to that. Garrett, the engineer. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. We were recording that in November. And then, mm. and then I kid you not, the next week I'm getting lunch with the the other producer I started to work with, Electric Kitty, named Garrett Reynolds. And we turn on the television mm-hmm. and there's COVID, you know, like they're talking about COVID in in Wuhan. And I look at Garrett and I'm mm-hmm. like, that shit's not a big deal. That won't be a problem. And then sure <laughs> enough, all this, the rest is history. Uh, it's your fault then, Frank. You shouldn't have jinxed it. <laughs> jinxed it. Yeah, I ruined it for everybody. My bad. <laughs> okay, so you got to you got to record the quartet before the lockdown happened. That's really really nice. Yeah, exactly. So that wasn't a problem. And then when we were in the studio with Garrett, it was it was like just Colin and me and Garrett, or it was just Colin, Andy, and me and Garrett. So, mm, gotcha. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, hopefully Insley so doesn't come after what, me for that. <laughs> I think we're an essential service, actually. It's going on the internet yes. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, it's I right, think Max. we're allowed to. Uh, we're allowed to do that. I think it should be uh, for true. sanity's sake. Live streaming and uh, recording are deemed essential, or something. At least that's what I heard. Yeah, that would make sense. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a question. What's up? Um, it's actually slightly a departure from the album, but on your website, I saw a picture of buckets being thrown <laughs> and I was just really fascinated by that. And I was wondering where that came from. <laughs> um, well, I don't have a good answer, man. <laughs> you just, so, just found some buckets and decided to toss them up or. Well, <laughs> the point of the buckets was there's another like shot that we took that I had envisioned before the photo shoot. It was like a, there was like this red backdrop, uh, like a red brick backdrop with these green bushes on top of it. It was just, it was a monotone. I mean, it only had two colors and it was, it was perfect for like, I thought it would have been for an album cover, but the only problem was the bushes were so tall that it would have like it would have been up to our chest, right? So I wanted to get more of our body. So I said, everyone, come to this, but make sure you bring a bucket. It's essential that you mm. bring 
a bucket. <laughs> and then we get the shots and the shots aren't very good. Well, I mean, we found that out later, but so we had these buckets in the photo shoot. So we just kind of used it as props and we just said, you know, it'd be kind of cool if we all just threw it up in the air and that was our shot. And then turns out what we didn't intentionally use the buckets for turned out to be the album, you know, what we're going to use on the website and use for promotion. Um, so <laughs> I like it. Things. Oh, thank you. Did everyone bring the same size bucket? Uh, no, but, uh, <laughs> luckily enough, our boy, Andy shorts, who is a cider maker has plenty of nine gallon buckets and brought all the same color buckets for everybody. And so we had a, a nice uniform look for the buckets. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. It's <laughs> a great question. Cool. Uh, well, while we're on the visual uh train here why don't we actually talk about the album cover for a second yes so this is also a really cool image um it's a bit different there are thorns and yeah can you tell us about that what's going on here um well i i have to get out to shout out to fiverr.com because it's been wonderful working with that um that app because they hooked us up with a um a graphic designer uh, through this, through like a, a company uh, that does like thousands of graphic designers. And um, the album cover came to us and um, I told them to really envision something with indignation in mind. And he came up with a fist mm. grabbing the thorns. And I was like, that's, that's perfect. That it captures exactly what I've been feeling throughout this entire album when I've been writing the music. Um, the only problem is with, we got it back and it was a fist and thorns in a desert. And I was looking at it and I was like, um, this looks like it's a band from Arizona. <laughs> can you, you know, we're from Seattle. Is there anything you can do to kind of make it more green or anything like that? Then he put that backdrop of Seattle and I was like, wow, that just really does capture that, like almost that West Seattle kind of view. Um, yeah. totally. Right. Um, and, yeah, the backdrop is awesome. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. And um, and then they started adding in the smokes and the stars to kind of symbolize other songs and the, uh, the other songs on the album. Um, but yeah, it's it, I actually some people I got really lucky because they didn't have such a great experience through Fiverr, but Fiverr turned out really really good for us. So really looks like the view from uh, Lower Queen Anne or like Magnolia, even maybe. Oh, right, right, right. That's where we took that bucket photo is that um, Queen Anne area. Okay. Ironically well, enough. Location accurate. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, let's actually talk about the record itself. Um, so Indignation, mm -hmm. uh, title track, obviously a strong statement. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about what, what the, what's it, what's the song about? Uh, I wrote indignation, um, and probably almost a year ago. Um, and the day I sat down on the piano, I, I was, I was, I think I was dealing with a music booker and he just put a really awful feeling in my mind. And then I started receiving news of other like 
injustices happening in in this country and it just like it just sunk me to a low and that day was just i was just in a really dark place we'll put it that and i was just frustrated with how we were treating other people you know as as a country uh, we treat other people in this country it's just awful there's it's agreed right i mean there's uh, I don't, there's almost like a road. I don't want to go down because we're not even talking about the album at that point, but I was in a really dark place at the time. And I just sat up, I sat down on the piano, I sat down on the piano and I just wanted to capture exactly what I was feeling. And, um, the piano part from the, after the intro is what you hear, what I caught down on the piano that day. Um, and then, whoa. After that is is just snowballed from there. Very cool. wild. Did you actually use that uh, demo recording of the piano part, or did you have Rob play it at that point? Oh, that was that was Rob. But ev- everything I okay. pretty much wrote um, is what Rob played on that beginning to capture that indignation That's really feeling. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I love. I love the tune. I've actually, you know, before we talk about it even more, we should just let our listeners um, get a chance of listening to it themselves. Yes. So here it is, Ignition by Bad News Botanists.
That was a, a great tune, and I hear what you're talking about with the keyboard part. It's it's a really really cool sound, as as well as an incredible keyboard intro, for that matter. Rob did it did it justice. Rob Holman. Rob did a great job, and another part that I really liked was hearing uh, Marina was playing Marina Christopher right mm-hmm. playing upright bass. Marina Christopher playing upright. This is the only song that we had upright bass on. Um, nice yeah. and. Upright bass in a funk tune like this is such an unusual choice, but I really, really dug it. It it was a cool sound. Yeah, it worked well. It blended. Yeah. And then I, um, did you take some inspiration from Joshua Redman for the sax harmonizing part? Oh, uh, I know. Are you talking about Joshua Redman's uh, elastic or? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I've been playing with um, guitar pedals for a couple of years now on, okay. on the botanist songs. <laughs> and that's, that's why I want to do it. Cause I just been playing with these octave pedals. Um, but I, did Joshua Redman do it himself or did he? Did. he... Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't do it myself. <laughs> I had, I actually had an octave um, horn effect on it while I was doing well, it. I dig it. I love that sound. I so, do too. 
Yeah. <laughs> one day, That's one cool. day I'll have enough money to just spend that much time in the studio to actually transcribe my own solo <laughs> and then yourself. do it in an octave down. God damn. Joshua Redman. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would also probably farm that effort out to a pedal so I didn't have to do that. <laughs> uh that's funny cool well yeah thank you for presenting this soon it was really really cool thank you for uh, i want to hear i want to hear about get it together the second track on this record which i also really really liked me too uh what's this tune about um you know as you'll find out as i'm explaining what these tunes are called the overall kind of theme is a rising feeling of melancholy um, all mm. these, a lot of these songs were not all of them, but a lot of them were uh, inspired just of moments of frustration in dark places. And this one, it it was it was frustration. I think I was having some financial issues, like somebody canceled a gig last minute, or like losing um, lost a student or something like that. And I was just like, God damn, Frank, get it together, like shit. I, you know, like I'm 29 now. I shouldn't be facing these like problems. And, um, and I think I was, I was a little pissed off and I was like, you know, um, I wrote the, the bass groove on piano and then I, I recorded it that day on a, on garage band. And then, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to write a really fucking hard horn line. Colin's going to kill me, but you know what? I've, I just, I'm just got to do this. I'm pissed off. And this is what it's going to be like. So I wrote this really hard horn line and anybody who like tries to learn it, it's an F sharp major, which is a mm, shitty oh, key on right, saxophone. Yeah. And it, on top of it, it's on a hard key. So um, that one was kind of inspired from pissed off feelings of my financial situation. Um, and funny enough, nice. the, the get it together in the next song on the track, duck a la funk was was originally one track and we split oh, it in two. Oh, interesting. We split it in two in the, in the studio. Studio magic. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really why, like, why oh, did you split right. it in two? Um, it was, I think we were listening to it and I was like, you know, it just, I mean, it just sounded like a different song and it's, it's mm. risky to do that in the studio because if you start sp- fucking around with it you're not going to get it back you know as as you learn and um i made a bold move but i really did hear it and so we cut it and i said you know start at this point when marina comes in right on this hit and it just works it just kind of worked itself out yeah huh very cool so mm-hmm. I actually was going to comment on those horn lines uh, for for Get It Together that you on saxophone and Colin Polkerbeck on trombone play incredibly tightly. And it's it's just, yeah, it's very tight. And I'm also really impressed that a trombone of all instruments is <laughs> nailing those just ridiculously fast notes. And now I'm learning... Uh, in a terrible key. Wow. Yeah. Props. You know, the first time we recorded it, the engineer Garrett said this sounded like shit, and you guys need to go home and come back and do this. <laughs> I kid you not. We practiced. We thought we practiced oh, it. Wow. He, he's listening. He goes, "This is not coming," and that's the sign of a good producer, right? He goes, yeah, "This right. is I mean, not." Yeah. 
Yeah, this is not going on the record. You guys need to fucking work this out. So we spent two weeks with the metronome on every single offbeat till we got it up to like Heck yeah. uh, 140. Or, you know what I'm talking about, Max. Like we got it to like 140 and and that's when things started like clicking. Nice. Nice. I, yeah, actually, well, that work really shows. It sounds great and it sounds natural. It's yeah, good work. Thank you. Yeah. Um, do we want to, do we want to listen to this really fast or do we want to keep talking about yeah. it? I have some more questions. Let's listen to it. Okay. Let's listen to it. Let's listen to it first and then, uh, get to those questions. Okay. Awesome. All right. Get it together. This song. I love the heavy funk aspect. Um, I have a question uh, about something you've mentioned a couple times. 
Uh, and that is that you're working with a producer and mm-hmm. for, I guess these days you don't oftentimes hear about maybe jazz or, or jazz based uh, records coming from the standpoint of being produced necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes you hear about people just kind of self releasing things that they've done on their own. What's it like actually working with a, a real producer? How does that affect what you do? Oh, it has so much effect. Um, Garrett Reynolds of Electro Kitty. I cannot say enough about this guy. He is a perfectionist. Um, and, you know, and he takes the role of, does this sound good enough for the record? And to have someone in there to do that, while I'm trying to focus on the music and producing what I can do as best I can do, it's it's the best situation that I can, you know, you can have. It's that in, in the other flip side is you have to trust that producer that he can hear this. Right. So he's on my next question. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's a musician of himself because if a producer can't hear if something's in tune or out of, you know, out of tune or a chord is wrong or the rhythm is off, if they can't feel that they're never going to be a good producer. They're never going to be able to get something quality out of a musician. So, um, so working with Garrett was was incredible because it was a musician on, if not more of our caliber. So, yeah, I am. I'm just so grateful for working with him. So, was he also mixing and stuff, or was he just kind of like overseeing the whole thing? Um. Garrett, so the only thing Garrett didn't do as far as, uh, uh, like everything, he didn't originally record the drums and bass. That was done at the Ruby Room with Seth McDonald. Um, and then everything else, mixing, uh, mastering, producing. Yeah, he mastered it as well. Uh, mastering and producing, mixing was all Garrett. Interesting. So, um, Wild. you know, like even, even like the, the, yeah, even the effects on my, on my saxophone were, um, you know, producing calls from Garrett, the delay, the, I mean, the compressors, all that stuff is all judgment from him. So hmm. it's, especially like, hmm. I know, I know compositions. I know, I know music theory. I know all this other aspects. I don't know anything about production and he is just you know, he's my guy and I can just rely on nice. him completely. And that's awesome. How did you come to work with him? Um, on our first record, he did our first record and, nice. um, he, but I worked with him before our record because there was a band called La Fonda who was an, uh, is a great indie band around Seattle, uh, needed mm-hmm. a, like a French horn trombone arrangement. And they hired me to write their arrangements and they were using Garrett as Whoa. their producer. Um, so, and that's mm-hmm. how I kind of got started working with them. And then I started realizing shit, this guy's brilliant. Like <laughs> he should be producing my record. Sweet. That's awesome. Man. <laughs> wow. Well, I want to call out another thing on this tune that I really enjoyed the guitar solo. And oh, it's yeah. Andy. different. <laughs> Andy Short playing guitar on this. It's 
So many guitar solos are playing uh, lines and melodies, and this is distinctively not that. It feels like a rhythm guitar solo to me. And uh, I guess the rhythm guitar parts of funk tunes, a lot of funk tunes are some of my favorite parts. And I like I listen for it underneath what the horns are doing or underneath what the melody is doing. But here you really bring it out to uh, bring it out to shine. I quite enjoy what you did with that. What what made you want to do that? What what what's that all about? Man, you really just nailed it. I mean, that's exactly I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what I did. You know, I, I, I wanted a uh, a rhythm guitar solo because I love it so much. Um, and that's exact. that's great, man. That's a great question. What made me want to do it? Well, Andy was just really good at it. And I was like, you know what? I want to showcase what people are good at in my band. Cause that's, that's, nice. you know, that's what makes a good band is as a, as a band leader. I think that's my responsibility is finding those, those moments or those skills that the musicians have and highlighting them. Absolutely. I think that's the reason why I did it. That's really, really cool. It's It comes off extremely well, and you pulled it off. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Right on. Um, let's just, I have a couple questions about a couple other songs, just while we're kind of on that topic. Um, who's Mark Sandman? Oh, he is the lead singer of the band Morphine, and that's why this song is titled. Oh, okay morphine <laughs> okay that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. that's a simple question and a simple answer then. <laughs> gotcha <laughs> all right happy people nice. uh is actually one of my favorite songs by kenny garrett and this is the only non-original on the record right this is true this is actually my first time even releasing a cover on, on an album yeah you uh you treated it in a really cool way um it mm. seems a bit less or more than happy maybe is the way to put it uh mm-hmm. sad at times <laughs> yeah <laughs> what what was uh why'd you do this one you know <laughs> and why did you do it this way um this one i i will admit this one wasn't the most thought out as the rest of them because we had 15 minutes left in the Ruby room before like midnight or something. And we had to get the fuck out of there. And, um, and we're, you know, and this was a song that we've always covered. Actually, I think Max, you and I have played this song together. At some I, think point so. on a gig. I don't think this, it was this arrangement, but I think we've played this song. Yeah. The, every time that I've played this, you know, everything's, I like just free kind of arranging, but, um, this is a song that we covered in the Bad News Botanist many of years. And we had 15 minutes left in the studio. And you're like, all right, what should we do? Let's play happy people. <laughs> and I think this was like one take. And, um, Whoa. and, uh, and it, it, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, honestly, it's not my most favorite song on the record, but it turned out well enough. I was like, you know, we could develop this into something really kind of cool. Um, and so Rob, I think, really took the reins on altering the sound and then uh with this keyboard part and i just like i was like man i really want to take this in a different direction and i started thinking okay what are the part of the songs that i don't like and what are the parts i do like and the one things i don't like is the beginning melody 
yeah. I, it's okay, but it's not my favorite thing. So that's the one thing I really did want to change. And, um, you know, and, and the other point is like, if you're going to record an, uh, a cover, I think it's your duty to at least put your own spin on it. Cause what's the point of just, I agree. Absolutely. You know, just reiterating what someone's already done. So I wanted, I definitely wanted to change it. Um, so I, I messed around with the melody cause I thought that was the thing I really wanted to change. And, Everything else, I think Rob kind of had a, a, a large effect on. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad you guys dig it. Well, I want to jump ahead questions. to ask about some other tunes here. So AQI part one and two, uh, talking about the air quality index, I have a lot of questions about, or multiple questions about this tune. And let's start out with... Uh, Let's start it with part two, actually. Um, Air Quality Index part two starts out with the horns at a really low volume, like lower volume than the rhythm section, which is unusual because they're playing the melody. And they're really reverby and echoey. Is this the is this like the melody being shrouded in smoke? Is that what you're going for there? Man, what's, Josh, I don't know who you're getting these questions from. I think you're talking to Andy or something because you're just nailing <laughs> everything that I intend to be doing on this record. Um, That's awesome. Good. No, that, that means it's coming across. I am talking to Andy, but I didn't ask. I didn't talk to him about that one. <laughs> um, that that a lot of the, the effects on this song, because even in my horn solo, I do have more effects and and even like the way that we approached the melody was having some sort of uh screen on our sound sure um absolutely i think i wanted to go even farther like messing around with different um oh i can't remember the name of the the plugin but basically i wanted to I wanted to mess with our sound even more. I don't think Garrett let me do it. <laughs> he was like, hell no, it sounds like shit, man. And, um, but no, yeah, a lot of that stuff was trying to emulate sound through smoke. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, more importantly, just, it was at that point in time, I don't know if you guys remember that, it was 2018. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like in the middle of August and the smoke was around for like half the month. Yeah, that was not, Yeah. yeah. And people were pissed. Like people were just like, "Man, this is fucked up." Out of like all the sunshine we get per year, this is like you know, like this is of all the time of the year we get smoke now, and yeah, and people felt robbed. And and I wanted, and it was like one of those moments where I was I was feeling that way, but as well as like the general public were feeling that way. And I wanted to find that sound that we were all kind of that psyche that we were all uh, feeling. Um. That's nice. Inspired a lot of that song. Yeah, it it really comes through. Uh, you did a really good job. Uh, it's just like, yeah, the the sounds match the feeling and and the visuals too. And so, congrats! And you picked a good year to release it. I know, and then <laughs> I know it's so funny. A lot of this stuff kind of went uh, full one eighty uh. from this year, and I'm like fuck man are we moving anywhere as a country or are we just repeating ourselves each year i i actually asked josh like i didn't know that this was about like 2018 i thought this was about this year yeah ab so like, about the same thing yeah well i mean uh, 
I think it actually got worse this year than it did in 2018. That's the that's like only worse. regret. It was like because 181 was the the highest point, right? In 2018, Try like 450 or something. Yeah, and then like this year we were at some ridiculous. I was like, damn it, I should have changed the title. <laughs> means you have a part three. <laughs> yeah, that exactly, exactly. Hopefully All right, so four. yeah, let, talking about part one and two, why why did you split this this up into two tunes as well? What's up with part one and two? Um, uh, that one actually, I I wanted to do. Um, that was intentional. That wasn't just like in the in the session. I heard something. Um, that there was kind of like the smoke was definitely partly on the first part and then this relaxation was was happening on the second part where the smoke was drifting away um Mm. yet uh, this idea that it still could be there could still linger coming in with rob's Mm -hmm. solo back on the theme um but up but up but up but up but uh so um it was it was kind of just like a multifaceted experience through the the air quality problems in Seattle. Mm, nice. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this gorgeous work. Thank you. Uh last So oh, let's Oh, I <laughs> uh, wanted to head back up in the track list and ask you about mango sticky rice. This is different also Mm -hmm. Uh, this uh i really enjoy this record by the way i I don't think i've said that yet but yeah i'll record i've listened to yeah all the way through like two or three times in a row and just kept checking it out because it's really fun and there's there kept being more things to listen to so yeah uh mega sticky rice it's not a traditional song uh it felt like so there's a singer on this Mm -hmm. yes and the only words are mango sticky rice <laughs> and there's a lot of wordless vocals and it felt like the singer was another instrument in the horn section exactly like instead of being accompanied uh accompanied by the horn section why mango sticky rice why why that and what made you try to use voice this way well okay so the mango sticky rice i this is kind of embarrassing to admit on a podcast but it's it's just a nickname (laughs) i call my fiance sometimes so this was this was it says as soon as it started i knew this was a portrait of her so i obviously Mm. want to just kind of come up with some pseudo cute name for the the song title and um sarah is she's a very shy singer but I, she's actually a pretty good singer and she's just kind of natural, natural singing. You can pick up lyrics really quickly. Um, and so I knew I kind of wanted to have that as an embodiment of her. And as soon as I sat down with Aura, Aura Payne is the singer. Um, we, we, we were actually originally going to find lyrics to something, you know, we're going to kind of construct something. Um, but, you know, the more that we played it, the more we felt comfortable having her using as an instrument. And then she kind of felt this rhythmic, um, this rhythmic saying of the, of the title of the song, Mango Sticky Rice, and then just put this beautiful, like descending melody over it. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's it. You just do that. And she felt comfortable doing that too. Nice. Um, and yeah, Aura Pain, she's a great singer. Nice. 
Yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful song. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. It was my first time writing 30 second notes on a piece of music. <laughs> that, was, that was another moment. Colin was like, what the fuck, man? Like, I play trombone. <laughs> I have to move my arm like this. Like, you just move fingers. I'm like, Colin, it's at 70. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> That's really, really funny. It sounds like you throw a lot of curveballs and challenging music at Colin, but he keeps hitting them back at you and knocking them out of the park. I think, sure does. I think that's why we work so well together. Um, is, yeah, exact, for that exact reason. I keep throwing him hard shit and he's like, fuck, why can't I do this? Like, like you know, I should be better than this. And that almost like competitive spirit um, keeps us keeps us gelling, you know? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, one more song question for me. Um, just optional ending. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about this one? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the optional ending was a live performance idea that I had as an encore piece. Uh, Cause I always felt like this would have been an indignation would have been <laughs> uh, a great encore piece. And as you, listen to the track of the song it re it replays the chorus of indignation at the end of it um and so if we ever played a show and the crowd was really feeling it rob had this this lick idea that i wrote down to start the 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 encore essentially so it was technically an optional ending and and i was like you know what that's what it is so that's what the title is awesome it That's a great a story. Like choose your own adventure type ending to the album, I guess. Yeah. You don't want to listen to it. It's optional. It's optional. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I found out the other day that uh, John Gilbreth played that, that tune on KEXP. And I was like, oh, oh nice. That's huh. such a weird choice. <laughs> like, cause it's not even a song. It's like, you know, it's like a minute and a half and it's a, continuation of the first it's just funny that out of all the songs that you know on the album you play that one on kexp i mean yeah if it's a good song oh yeah hey i can play play anything on kexp i'm down (laughs) well let's shift gears a little uh so this is a seattle podcast and a seattle-based band but i hear you are not in seattle anymore where are you now, Frank? Letting the secret out of the bottle, man. Uh, currently, I am in a practice room at NYU, New York University. Um, I'm getting my master's in jazz performance, and I moved to Queen Woodside, Queens. Wow. Yeah, wild. So I left Seattle. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. What does that mean for the future of the Bad News Bondness then? Um. The bad news botanist will continue when I move back to Seattle. Nice. Okay. When I when I finish my education here up here in New York. Um, nice. But I I I had the realization that I wanted I need to push myself more and what as Max knows as being in the scene, what better city to push yourself more than New York City, right? It's true. Mm-hmm. So. Um, as well as other making some career choices of having, a, you know, the benefits of having a master's degree as far as teaching, um, sure. teaching in university or teaching at a higher institution. Um, 
because you know it's funny like as younger i was like i just want to play you know and uh that's not always a reality when you first get out of college and you know it's it's a beautiful thing is i i fell in love with teaching so um i wanted to um you know hire you know further myself into my teaching career as well um what are your goals with i mean obviously for teaching having a degree helps um do you have any other goals with this move yes yes um besides networking um and playing networking and finding people that will better my playing um continue writing and um kind of just kind of will continue my career the same career i had in seattle but just keep doing it in new york and and hopefully like people will fucking you know pull me you know rip me a new one and and tell me i <laughs> suck and and I have no choice but to crawl from the gutters and and better myself. Um, but you know, on a, and on a very separate note, moving to New York has always been on the back of my mind. I have family in Connecticut. My sister lives in Queens, so it's you know it's mm. always been that tempting that uh, tempting fruit I've always wanted to pick. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing how that goes. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, connect is that a two-year two-year thing two years um oh probably yeah at least two years i mean with covid happening man oh right yeah <laughs> i picked the worst time to apply for college that's for fucking sure god damn um out of all the degrees too like performing arts is affected the most by covid mm-hmm. uh, right. you did <laughs> yeah, say that covid wasn't going to be anything to worry about i know oh my god <laughs> i mean because I, I was applying for college at that time too, I was like, oh, and my no. was like, I was like, this better not be a problem. <laughs> Shit, Ooh. it won't be a problem. Gar- I remember Garrett's face. He was like, I don't know. It looks pretty serious. And I'm like, they're over. You know how the media is. No, we're blowing it out of proportion. <laughs> here we are, and here we are. <laughs> here we are. Well, we're about at time here. Thank you so much for joining us, Frank, and thank you for this wonderful record. Thank you, Josh. And yeah, thank you. Best of luck at New York University. We look forward to hearing more music out of you, uh, out of New York, and hopefully when you return with the botanist as well. Really quick last question. Yes. Where can people find out what you're up to? Uh, Instagram, uh, at Frankie-Fatolo. That is Frankie with a Y. Um, I'm also posting updates on the bad news botanist page and we will have a, uh, album review on earshot in December. So you can nice. stay tuned for that as well. Very cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Thanks guys. I, thanks, Frank. I, I appreciate you guys asking these amazing questions. Yeah. Thanks for doing <laughs> it. We do our homework. Well, thank you again for joining us. And for all of you that are listening, you've been listening to Jazz Talk Seattle. My name is Josh and our other host is Max. And you've been listening to (laughs) Frank Vitello of the Bad News Botanist. If you like what you're listening to, you can look us up on Facebook. Just type in Jazz Talk Seattle. Uh, You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your regular podcasts. And we'll see you next month.